Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of the Real Ballers Club Fantasy Podcast. This is episode four. It is Thursday, January 21st. We're going to talk about some of the ramifications of the James Harden trade as is, as well as some injuries that happened. And we're also going to start a new game that we would like to call Would You Rather? We came up with it ourselves. Dom, uh, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing since our last episode here? Yeah, I want to dive right into the Harden Harden trade. That's the biggest thing that's happened in the NBA so far this season. And we're kind of getting a better feel as each game progresses of how this trade's going to look. So I want to touch on the two main pieces of that trade so far, Victor Oladipo and James Harden. Um, so far, Oladipo has had a lot of opportunity playing for Houston. He's played in two games for them. And he's played over 30 minutes each game and has led the team in field goal attempts each game. His second game, he was a little inefficient. He shot 7 of 22, which is less than 33%. But he did offer six assists, five rebounds, and three steals to go along with 22 points. And in his first game, he made a great first impression. He played 32 minutes, scored 32 points. Gave you nine assists, two steals, and five rebounds on 13 of 23 from the field. Are we seeing a Victor Oladipo resurgence? I'm going to go with yes. There's a few things that we'll get into about his situation right now that we should watch how much we overreact. But this is what Victor Oladipo is capable of when he's given the opportunity, when he's given lead ball handling duties. Now, the one caveat to this is that John Wall is obviously out. John Wall scores 18 points per game. He shoots it 15 times per game. Oladipo's usage rate is up from 26, where it was on the Pacers this season, to 40% right now. That is obviously not sustainable. I don't, I don't foresee the Rockets using Victor Oladipo the same way that they did James Harden over the last three seasons. So... What we've seen from him so far, I don't think will last. I don't think he's going to continue to average 27 points per game in his stint with the Rockets. But I do see him going up from where he was on the Pacers. So in leagues where maybe he's undervalued or you think that you could get him for a good deal, I would definitely say he is going to have a better season with the Rockets than he would have on the Pacers. I'm pretty sure about that. I agree with that. And that doesn't require him to be used like Harden in any way. I balls out. Eric Gordon is getting a lot of usage right now, playing alongside Oladipo. He's averaging mm-hmm. about 18 and a half shots per game in the two games that he's played, Sans, John Wall. I don't expect that to continue by any means. His minutes will obviously go down once John Wall returns. The thing that I do like about Oladipo are his steal out his steals output so far through his first two games. Mm-hmm. six steals five steals sorry in two games obviously gives you good value on the defensive end he even added a block in their most recent game and he seems to be contributing in a variety of areas so he's giving you assists and rebounds as well so i do think depot stock certainly rose with this trade i think that was a little under discussed last week on our side i did not see this coming but mm-hmm. it's good to see it's always good to see star players in the league figure it out and have their opportunity to be stars. So hopefully it continues and that can make the Rockets a really fun team going forward. 
Yeah, and it's not it's really not something that we should be too surprised by. We've seen it by Oladipo before. Uh he sort of fell out since that injury that to his quad. He sort of fell out of the focal point of Indiana's offense. They became a team-oriented style. They ran the ball through Domantas Sabonis in the high post. And I just think Victor Oladipo sort of lost his way in that offense. He's a he's a star player. He's a legitimate star. He can take lead hand, ball handling abilities, and he's showing it right now. So I, I would definitely say I was wrong. I thought he was going to remain about the same. But he looks like he wants to get back to what he used to be in Houston. No, definitely. And we could shift gears here to the biggest piece of this trade, James Harden. We got to see him play for the Brooklyn Nets alongside Kevin Durant and for one game alongside Kyrie Irving. They look a machine offensively, which I think everyone sort of expected to happen. They are a little less of a machine on the defensive side of the ball, but luckily for fantasy owners, that does not matter. So Harden's played a lot of minutes on the nets. So that part has definitely not changed. He's played over 40 minutes in each of his three games there. He scored over 30 points in two of them. And he's gotten two triple doubles in three games. So last week you said as a James Harden fantasy owner, you were not worried about his output from this trade. And the early returns would say that you are right. Although I will point out that he led the team in minutes, their most recent game, but took almost half the shots that Kyrie Irving took and 11 less shots than Kevin Durant took. So that could be an interesting trend to monitor as these three guys try to figure out how to play together, but what are your early thoughts on James Harden as a net? I'm obviously pleased with the uptick in rebounds and assists. I think the assists are going to stay. I think he's happy playing that role. I did notice the 14 shots that he took in the first game with Kyrie back. That was down from the 19 field goal attempts that he took in his first two games. Of course, Kyrie Irving is also not always going to shoot 28 times a game. Uh, but he was red hot. Again, James Harden took on that point guard role, sort of. I'm really not worried about that being a trend in the wrong direction. These guys are going to take turns. They're too talented. They want to win. The offensive firepower is absolutely undeniable. I'm not worried about James Harden not getting his shots at all. Honestly, the biggest takeaway from that game for me was Colin Sexton. Oh, my God. That guy is a superstar. He's averaging 27 points per game this year. He's already on my radar for next season if he doesn't get kept in our league. I loved what I saw from Colin Sexton. Obviously, he's on my team. You know that. That was a great first game back from an injury that was sort of weird. He had two straight games where he was announced as active and then announced as out right at tip-off. So that was frustrating, but he got back on the court against the Nets and put up 42 points, including scoring 20 straight in overtime, which is absurd. That's and, and he led them to a victory over this quote-unquote super team in Brooklyn. He's been very good offensively all season. He's been scoring the ball at a very high clip. He doesn't give you too much in other categories, which sort of caps his value for now. But he is a young player. Sometimes it takes a while to get a better understanding of the game. 
in terms of like passing the ball with your assists or getting in position for rebounds. So there's a chance that that those parts of his game develop. But as of right now, he's been a scoring machine. He's doing it efficiently. And I definitely think he took a leap from last season. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I'm amazed by his development. Um, and real quick, before we move on, I do want to go back to James Harden. I noticed he went from somewhere around 10 to 12 to fourth in fantasy scoring as far as uh, standard ESPN scoring goes, just in three games with the Nets. So that's what I was talking about with him having the ability to play that third role and still be a superstar as far as fantasy standards go. What's really freaky is, do you know who number two and number five are as far as averages go? I do not enlighten me. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. (laughs) That is so worrisome to me because, like you said, the minutes that those three players had to play, there is just no one else who can create offense on that team. And I really hope that these guys stay healthy because if they don't, not only are two guys going to have to burden the entire load, but I don't think they have the depth to be a competitive team in in real life if anybody goes down for a significant amount of time. No, and that's very true. They had this overtime game against the Cavaliers, and you had James Harden playing 51 minutes, Kevin Durant playing 50 minutes, and then three of the four guys you brought off the bench could not top 12 minutes. So that shows you all that you need to know about their depth there. They also had Joe Harris play 42 minutes which is Joe Harris is a good player, but that's a lot of minutes for him, even with the overtime period. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the market for a buyout guy or a player that a team is trying to maybe shed salary or an underperforming player who needs a new opportunity. I would not be surprised if they were the team that pounced on one of those opportunities. I don't expect this to be their roster at the end of the season, but for right now, those three guys are going to continue playing heavy minutes and having heavy roles absolutely uh yeah there's some guys around the league that i think are going to be either buyout i think they'll obviously be the main buyout team which could have obviously some fantasy ramifications and also trading for just older older veterans and the first guy who comes to mind is a guy who for some reason he's he's certainly not this much of a fantasy impact but he just keeps coming up on our podcast is alec burks on the new york knicks a guy who can just offer that that extra scoring ability to a team like the Brooklyn Nets, who really don't have anybody who can create their own shot outside of their three superstars. No, that's the perfect player that they should be looking for. That makes a ton of sense. All right, so would you like to jump into would you rather, or do we want to talk about the injuries first? Well, you brought up Alec Burks, so let's talk about the injuries here. He's okay. a, he seems to be coming back. Nice against the Warriors. Yeah. So that's good news for Alec Burke's owners. But obviously the worst part of fantasy is injuries. I don't, I'm not talking about players who are out due to COVID. I'm talking strictly injuries. There have been a few of them already this season. They won't go away. They'll continue to happen. And as fantasy owners, we have to continue to adapt. So I want to start in Portland, which unfortunately always seems like a good place to start when talking about injuries. Mm -hmm. They just lost Yusuf Nurkic for eight weeks. And it was announced that CJ McCollum is going to be in a walking boot for at least four weeks. 
terrible news for the Trailblazers in real life. And those are two players that fantasy owners were relying on heavily on their teams going into the season. Yep. So you're a Nurkic owner, so it's sort of cool of me to pick on you here. But how do you go about replacing their production? And is there anyone on the Blazers that you think is worth picking up in the meantime? Obviously, Enos Cantor has already been picked up a lot. He's up 18% right now in – He's owned in 50% of leagues. The next guy up that I'm looking at is Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood has been a skilled shooter and scorer all his life, and he's now just put in that position where they need somebody to be shooting the ball. And I think Rodney Hood is that guy. In his first game, eclipsing 20 minutes, he scored 21 points in 25 minutes. Uh, That was good for 31 fantasy points. And regardless of how much skill he actually has as a player, again, fantasy is about opportunity. I think he's an ad in most leagues. I anticipate him within the next three or four Blazers games to be up from 6% to about 30 40% owned in fantasy leagues. Interesting. Rodney Hood coming off the Achilles injury, definitely a player to watch out for here i sort of seen this see this playing out differently um ennis Cantor is a player who throughout his career has shown that he can produce numbers in limited minutes and when given starting opportunities he's actually a very good fantasy option so i do expect him to replace most of nurkic's production on the offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. for in terms of cj's production i sort of see that giving everyone on the team just a slight uptick in production. So regardless of their position or their current role in the team, I could see like Carmelo Anthony, for example, Robert Covington, Gary Trent, Derek Jones, Rodney Hood. I could see all these role players getting just slightly more roles, slightly bigger roles, sorry. And in turn, higher, slightly higher production. I don't see any of them taking – a big leap from where they currently are. You mentioned Rodney Hood. The only reason I would say that he's the most likely candidate for a leap is he's about as low as you can get right now in terms of fantasy roster ability. He has not been helpful at all on the season. He's averaging three points, one assist, and one rebound in 14 minutes, and that's including the 21-point game that he had in his most recent performance. Mm -hmm. So I could see him obviously improving upon that and – maybe making himself worthy of taking a flyer on here in fantasy. But I actually see it sort of working out as everyone chips in a little bit to replace CJ's production. And speaking of the trailblazers, I mean, it's not just those two players. We got to remember Zach Collins hasn't played that yet this year and who knows when he's going to play. I mean, they just seem to get destroyed every season and it's really unfortunate especially when you have a player like Damian Lillard leading the team you want to see them competing and at full strength yep absolutely so I have another player here that I actually just added to my watch list which I don't say literally but he's in the back of my mind it's actually Isaiah Roby rookie power forward out of OKC Al Horford has missed now two games, missing his third with the birth of his child. In the last three games, Isaiah Roby has scored double-digit points 
in 24, 26, and 26 minutes. I don't see him worth an ad right now. He is up 5.5% in most fantasy leagues. But Al Horford is another one of those veteran players that's on a not-veteran team that could be gone by the end of the season. So that's when young guys have the opportunity to have breakout performances. The second half of seasons, we see every year, some young guy is given the opportunity and he makes it count. And right now, I really like how that kid looks. Probably not to say, expected me to bring up, but what do you No, think? but I, lo- I love that you did. I have to say this about Isaiah Roby. I was watching the Thunder Nuggets game a couple nights ago watching Shea Gilders Alexander, but Isaiah Roby was just everywhere. Every time there seemed to be a loose ball or just something random happening, it seemed to be Isaiah Roby who was doing it. And honestly, he looked good in every situation where I saw him play. There was not really a moment where I was like, that's why that guy does not play more, doesn't get more hype. I actually really enjoyed the way he played. I could see him having a big role in this team moving forward this season. I mean, they don't have any incentive not to give him every opportunity to play. So I actually do like that. As you said, he's about five and a half percent in his roster ability. It's definitely a name to watch. I wouldn't necessarily say you have to go out and get him right now, but it's definitely a situation to monitor, especially if Al Horford's out for extended time or if he does get traded, as you said. Yeah, he's, he's an active guy. He's young. If he gets an opportunity, which is a word that comes up a lot when talking about fantasy value, uh, I, I'd scoop him up later this season who else do you got for injuries i think miles turner is someone who i feel like every year there's a lot expected of miles turner going into the season or relatively a lot i know as a young player he sort of shot up draft boards he had the athleticism it seemed in the offensive game to sort of thrive and he sort of leveled off over the last couple of years but he's definitely a contributor on most fantasy teams and speak, and on the Pacers as well, Karis LeVert, who they just traded for, and luckily they did. They were they found a mass on his kidney. Unfortunately, he is out for an undisclosed period of time. Mm-hmm. So in both of their absences, Doug McDermott's really stepped up recently. Um, he started the last two games for them, and he's in his first game as a starter. He put up twenty three points, and last night against Dallas, he scored sixteen and added eight rebounds. He's played over 30 minutes in both of those games. So that's someone that if you need temporary production, um, I would definitely look at Doug McDermott. I also like Jeremy Lamb a little bit. He's He just came back from his own injury, and he played 19 minutes against Dallas and scored 10 points. Um, Jeremy Lamb has shown the ability in the past to put the ball in the bucket and be on your fantasy radar. So as long as Karis LeVert and – Miles Turner continue to miss time and I'll throw TJ Warren in there as well. He's out indefinitely. So I would target these role players on the Pacers that, I mean, the production has to come from somewhere. It can't all come from Sabonis and Brogdon. So McDermott, Jeremy Lamb, even Justin holiday would be names that I would be looking at as additions. Yeah. We talked about this on our last pod navigating the COVID situation is going to be, monumental to your team's success this season obviously you don't have tons of time every week and every day to be checking lineups but games just keep getting postponed uh the the grizzlies now have three games in a row where they are not Mm -hmm. playing 
that's some that there's some significant fantasy players on that team that are now missing time. So yeah, guys like the Doug McDermott's who are starting for a limited amount of times, those are the ones you have to pay attention to because that could be a difference between a win and a loss in an abridged season. Uh, so I like that you brought that up. Finding those guys that are giving oppor- getting opportunities for short periods of time. I like Jeremy Lamb too. He can score the ball really well. So daily pickups, yeah, daily pickups are huge this year. Yeah, another another example of I mean, we talked about Tyrese Maxey a little bit last week, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker on the Pelicans, Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe missed a game, and he went off with 37 points and eight rebounds. I mean, it's performances like yes, that. I remember and, that quite well. <laughs> an opportunity like that that will decide your season this year with injuries as always. It's obviously always a big part to be monitoring the waiver wire, but with COVID now more than ever, you really need to find players who – are going to get short upticks in minutes and we'll hopefully be able to produce. So let's, let's, are you, is that all good for injuries on your list? For the free um, navigations. Yeah. I was going to bring up Porzingis here as well. Of course. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Get it out of your system. <laughs> He's looked pretty good since coming back from his injuries. Um, he even played a back-to-back um this past weekend so that was awesome to see as Porzingis fantasy owner but he scored 20 or more in each of his last three games and the game before that he put up a double double 15 and 10 so he's been productive for your fantasy team coming back and I expect him to continue to be successful as long as he stays healthy the unfortunate part of owning Porzingis is his obviously his injury history is not good and you can most likely expect him to get hurt at some point in the season. And unlike some of the other players that we've talked about, the Mavericks don't really have one player that you could look at and say, I should add him while Porzingis is out. Um, they sort of lack that and it shows on the court for them as well. But I just wanted to touch on that for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I, I know you love to bring up Porzingis. I actually... I do like to see him playing well, despite the fact that he's on my rivals team. And and that's not even a fantasy thing. I just, I love the the way that Mark Cuban rebuilt this team and and brought in that pairing of Luka Doncic and Chris Asperzingis. So I would really love to see these two guys stay healthy for the remainder of the season and play in the playoffs together. Um, but yeah, as far as fantasy goes, you're probably pretty happy at this point if you grabbed Chris Epsperzingis in one of the later rounds. Uh, I know I didn't. Not, I did not really have him on my board because of his injury history, but he's a skilled Kemba player. Walker. He's a crazy talent. Yeah, and Kemba Walker too, player that just came back and has had a good performance. So mm-hmm. it seems like some of these guys are getting healthy. And I always recommend buying low on injured stars if you have the ability to maybe lose a couple games or if you have a good enough roster to mask the loss of that player yeah teams get desperate when they're losing and their stars are out so if you can if you can stay afloat till the end of the season that's always a a nice a nice savvy move so why don't you i look when i was looking into this i was just astounded by the similarities so i want to know why you picked these two guys so go ahead and announce our our would you rather candidates for tonight 
Yeah, sure. Um, our would you rather candidates for tonight are Ben Simmons, point guard of the Philadelphia 76ers, and Darren Fox, point guard of the Sacramento Kings. I selected them because of how similar they've been from a fantasy standpoint. They offer you different value in different categories, but overall at the end of the night, it's pretty similar. So kind of what I wanted to discuss here is, well, two things really. I want to get your opinion and then I'll share mine on who you would rather have for the remainder of this season. And then if you're in a dynasty or keeper league, who you would want long-term on your fantasy team. Hmm. And I want to, I want to, I want to emphasize fantasy team. We're not, not who you would want on your team in real life, strictly from a fantasy perspective here. Fantasy perspective, long-term, I would actually go De'Aaron Fox. If it was a keeper league, I think I would rather have De'Aaron Fox. I think he has the potential to be a 25 points per game scorer, to be that what John Wall used to be. I know he drew a lot of comparisons to John Wall coming out of Kentucky. Right now, I actually would rather have Simmons. And I'm not a huge fan of Simmons in real life. And sometimes that that bias comes into fantasy side. Their numbers are so similar right now. Um, 0.9 difference in fantasy points per game. Simmons has the edge. The thing is, I don't think Simmons is doing what he can right now. He's averaging 12 points per game, nine rebounds, eight assists, and two steals on only 8.8 field goal attempts per game. The fact that he gives you so much in rebounding, assists, and defense, he led the league in defense and steals last year. That that gives you tremendous value. So you're kind of looking at two guys. One of them is the consistency, and one of them is the ceiling. Now, I lost a matchup last week because De'Aaron Fox scored 94 fantasy points on Sunday night. So that, that made me very nearly choose De'Aaron Fox because that was so frustrating. But from a fantasy perspective, I'm a little bit more of a fan of consistency. The highs and lows of Fox are more severe, but Simmons has been a lot more consistent. His bad games are usually not that bad just because of how much he fills up the box score. They're both shooting about the same percentage. The thing is, Ben Simmons right now is shooting 49%, again, on only eight and a half field goal attempts per game. Last year, he averaged 16 points per game on 58% shooting on 11 field goals per game. So that right there, I think, shows that Ben Simmons can only go up marginally, but can improve throughout the rest of the season on the offensive side of the ball. Where are you at on this? I'm flip-flopped with you, and it sounds like we have similar reasons, but just sort of different mindsets to it. I think I would take De'Aaron Fox for the remainder of this season, and I would take Ben Simmons long-term. And my reason for that is I see the dip in Ben Simmons' production being a product of a new coach in Doc Rivers, a new supporting cast. They're sort of playing a different style of basketball than they have recently. They've added shooters. And I think he's adjusting right now, and I think that's fair. Um, I was not a fan of Brett Brown. I did not think he was a very good coach. He wasn't a good coach for a contending team. I think Doc Rivers is sending a different message in that locker room. And Simmons just fills the box score more for me. I see Darren Fox. He gives you six assists a game so far this season. 
which is not bad by any means. And I agree with you that I do think one day he could be a 25 points per game scorer. I actually don't have a doubt in my mind that he'll get there at least once or twice in his career. I have a concern with him being on the Sacramento Kings. I don't trust that organization. I assume that in a few years he'll be one of the stars who's unhappy where they are unless things change drastically for the Kings here. And I just think Simmons right now playing with Embiid with a new coaching staff, a new supporting cast, I think that's the worst case scenario for him. I've never liked the pairing of Simmons and Embiid. And while that may not change here in the near future, it always has the potential to change with one of them being sent out the door. It seems they were pretty willing to trade Ben Simmons when James Harden was available. So that shows me that Daryl Morey might not be completely opposed to trying something different. And in that scenario, I would definitely prefer Ben Simmons. But even in the current situation in Philadelphia, I think once he gets his feet under him with this new staff, the new supporting cast, I do expect his numbers to go up. His role's changed a little bit, but I just can't, I can't bet on Deer and Fox scoring 25 points per game and giving me more in other categories when I know even at his worst, Ben Simmons will be a triple-double threat who will give you stats on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why I would take Simmons long-term, even though I think Darren Fox is slightly better this season. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. One thing I noticed looking at Darren Fox's numbers is that across the board, he's dipped a little bit in everything compared to last year. And I don't see that lasting. So I can see why you would only like that for this year, but... I just, I love his ability from the point guard spot. He's an absolute menace on defense. He's got a winner's mentality. He also has, like I said, the pop-off ability that Ben Simmons does not have. And I think that gives him a major edge. Again, being on the Kings isn't great, but, you know, just a, a few nights ago, 43 points and 13 assists in 39 minutes. Those are games that Ben Simmons doesn't really have. If Ben Simmons goes off, he's lucky to hit 25 points. Um, Again, the triple-double threat is fantastic, but De'Aaron Fox added four steals as well. Um, So they pretty much break even in in the way they fill up the box scores separately. Um, Again, it's the the consistency versus the pop-off versus the highs and the lows. One thing that absolutely amazed me when I was looking at this they obviously are both playmakers. They're both they're both point guards. I was looking at some of the team stats to see who was in a better situation, and it just blew my mind. I know there's no way in hell you could have planned this out, but the 76ers right now as a team are at 113.8 points per game. The Kings are at 113.1 points per game. So as far as offensive firepower goes, both teams are doing the exact same thing. Assists per game. The 76ers are at 25.3 assists per game. The Kings are at 25.1 assists per game. Damn near identical. Now, finally, now they're they're both point guards, obviously. So assists are a huge part of their game, which means field goal percentage. How is the team shooting? Well, Philadelphia is shooting 47.4% from the field, and Sacramento is shooting 47.3% from the field. I am astounded how similar a situation these two guys are in. 
And that's what makes the would you rather segment fun, right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a worthy segment if we didn't have both have reasons to be able to agree and disagree with each other. Um, and hopefully, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be fun. I like both of these players. I think they're both young stars in the league. I sort of wish that both of them would have taken bigger steps by now, but I think they'll both continue to be a lot of fun to watch and monitor as their careers continue. And and that might be one of the things that's holding me back on Ben Simmons in the long term is the lack of a leap. And and you said it's adjusting, which very well may be, but his last three seasons have been remarkably consistent. And now he's actually regressed a little bit through the first 13 games of the season. And people keep talking about him adding a three-point shot to his game. And that's just not happening. I don't think it ever will. It happen. never will at this point. His ability to score inside has dipped a little bit this season. You're right. It could be an adjustment period. But De'Aaron Fox has shown a little bit more consistent improvement from year to year. I think it's I think it's more of an anomaly that he's the one that's taken a little bit of a dip in the first couple months of this season. Hey, well, we'll revisit this comparison later in the season once both these players and their respective teams get some more games under their belt. And who knows? Maybe there maybe there'll be a trade involving one of them. That very well could be. Um, yeah, we'll have to come up with some more players for this as we go. It's unfortunate we couldn't get our resident Ben Simmons lover on the pod tonight. Jeff could not make it. If if you have any, for anyone listening out there, if you have any would you rathers that you'd like us to do in the future, feel free to tweet them at us at RBC Fantasy on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you just want some advice on something you're struggling with, maybe some trade decisions or players you're thinking about asking about, uh, reach out to us. We're absolutely happy to help anything fantasy basketball related. Thanks for joining us. It is about time for the Lakers Bucks to tip off. So you know where we're going to be. Have a great day or night, whatever time this is you are watching. And we will be back with you shortly. Goodbye, everybody.